Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 118 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with former Walt Disney Imagineer, Timmy Britt. Timmy worked as a scenic art designer and an artistic director on a number of projects at Walt Disney Imagineering and also at Universal Creative. At Disney, he helped to develop some of the scenic artwork for Pandora, The World of Avatar, Trader Sam's Grog Grotto, Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar over at Disney Springs, the updates to the Norway Pavilion, including the transformation from Maelstrom to Frozen Ever After, and so many other projects. Timmy also is a former cast member of the Walt Disney Company. He worked at Walt Disney World, and that's really how he got his start, was on the front lines as a cast member at Disney. And he has so much energy and is such a blast to talk to. He had so many incredible stories to share. So I'm really excited for you to hear my interview with Timmy Britt. I want to, of course, give a special shout out and thanks to our partner, WDW Magazine. Before we get started, you can learn more and subscribe to WDW Magazine, which, by the way, I'm an author and a contributor to this magazine by clicking on the links in the show notes or heading to ImagineerPodcast.com. At the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. Imagineer Timmy Britt has spent over 30 years in the art industry, including nearly a decade working with Walt Disney Imagineering and Universal Creative. Of the hundreds of projects Timmy has developed, many of you might recognize a few Disney favorites, including Pandora, the world of Avatar, Creature Comfort Starbucks at Disney's Animal Kingdom, which is one of my favorite spots, Frozen Ever After, Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar, and the New Polynesian Village Resort, including the amazing Bora Bora Bungalows and Trader Sam's Grog Grotto. Timmy also developed various aspects of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Orlando, and he continues his work today as an instructor, speaker, author, and mentor, offering workshops, classes, private lessons, and a new book that we'll, of course, discuss in this episode. It's always a pleasure to chat with creative folks like Timmy, so I am delighted to welcome Timmy Britt to Imagine Your Podcast. Welcome to the show, Timmy. Wow, Matt, you're showing <laughs> off. That was good, man. That was... I don't know how to say thank you other than to be really genuine and sincere. Thank you. That was really well done. Thank you. Oh my you. goodness. I'm, I'm so flattered right now. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> it's so. easy to write a flattering paragraph when it's the truth. So Aww. this is all taken directly from your actual portfolio of projects that you've worked Aww. on, some words drawn from your website. It's all factual. So uh, it's, like I said, easy easy to come up with this when it's, oh, uh, when it's so all much. true. That's- so I'm here to answer any questions that I can answer. 
and share and shed light on whatever it is that I can do for you today. Yeah, I am. I'm really excited. I've been very excited to chat with you, and I'm so glad that we connected. Um, I have. I, I want to, of course, talk about and geek out about some of the projects that you worked on. I think that's okay, where sure. the, the real fun comes into play. But I want to start by actually going back a little bit because I find that the origin story is sometimes as interesting, if not more interesting, at least very telling about where you ended up. So. When did you first become interested in pursuing a career in art? Man, I was later on in life. I, I spent so much time studying art and practicing art and doing art that Disney was just that faraway dream, but it never left me. It stayed with me. And so after life just handed me a series of unfortunate events, I was in a position where I actually could do it. I had a wife, two tiny little toddlers, two adorable dogs, and I went down and, but before I did, I got to tell you, I rehearsed what I would say when I got there. So for a month I paced and we just sold stuff, sold everything. Cause we went down on vacation and she said, you belong here. She said, I never seen you like this before. I'm like, yeah, that's why we're here on vacation. Cause I can't go anywhere else. I just love this place. <laughs> now, when I was a five-year-old boy, I have to tell you and your listeners this. Yes. My birthday is October 25th. And so in 1966, I was born. So I'm five years old in 1971. And my parents, I'm a little kid. They put me in the car. They drive me from Philadelphia all the way down to Florida. And on my birthday, I got to see Roy Disney stand on the pedestal with Mickey as I'm sitting there on my dad's shoulders, which you weren't allowed to do anymore. You're not allowed to do that. But at the time, right. my dad, I had to see above all the big people. <laughs> and I watched this little old man walk up these steps. And I knew he must be important because before he, before that happened, man, there's fanfare and music and, oh my God, the celebration. It was amazing, the pageantry. And then all of a sudden it was quiet. And so as a little kid, and it's my birthday, I'm thinking, this is where to give me a cake or something. I, you know, Once you walk into the Magic Kingdom and it's your birthday, you just think everything magical in the world is for you when you're five years old. That's right. And so I'm looking around at all the architecture and I'm hearing all the music and then it just stops. And I'm just like, I'm looking around, I'm looking up at my parents. My dad picks me up. My mom has my little brother. I mean, I'm five. My brother's three. There's nothing. But then when we saw Roy step up and... and and say today through the work of all the people. And I know now, 50 years later, that Roy had a big part of the Walt Disney World happening at all. Walt was gone and never got to see it. Walt did get to do so much in Disneyland, which is an adorable, wonderful, you know, let's get the money together and buy whatever property we can and build something. And it's got so much charm to it that I hope it lasts forever. However, his dream, his vision, his wish was to get so much land that imagination never had to be stopped. So he bought the swamp and it took five years for, for Roy and the Imagineers to put together. And like on October 1st, when they had their soft opening, the concrete was still wet in some places. Like they were so pushed for, to get it done, but uh, it's always last minute stuff. But by the 25th, when it was my birthday and they ready to name it, and they put the plaque right on main street that says that here on the 25th day, I was there for the whole ceremony and it changed me. Then I went again when I was 10 and then I was 15, but the whole time I was drawing, I was sketching. Like even as a little kid, I was sketching. And so that was my first introduction to Disney as a five-year-old boy. And then later on in life, I never thought that I would ever think of going back. But when my wife said, you belong here, I looked at her one day. I said, are you serious about that? I'm like, it would be crazy. I had just gotten out of a terrible car accident through NFL Films, <coughs> where I work, oh, excuse me, where I worked with Steve Sable and and the NFL films people. And I, that was a great dream. I got to do animation for them. And it was really an amazing job. I got to build sets for under the helmet and playbook. Steve was 
such a great guy too, by the way, he just kind of took a liking to me and just gave me opportunities that I would have never had. I stood on the sidelines of a Dallas Cowboy game, running film for the camera guys. When my job back at NFL films was really as a tech, but he liked me and he let me part paint his parking lot spot. So it just was a little football field that Steven one end zone and Sable. The other. <laughs> but, but I got in this car accident and then my life was in ruins for a little while. Cause I had a body cast for, for a year. Wow. You know, well, like 11 months in a couple of weeks. So I was just, I, it was about a year and my poor wife and kids, like everything kind of stopped. So, but it wasn't my fault. And I, you know, there was a settlement and I just, we got to pay all our debts and whatever was left. I said, I could use a vacation and you can too. And I need to walk on my leg again. And so we started walking around Disney world and we had just the greatest like 10 days in Valentine's at old key west and she just saw me that week and she said you know you belong here so when i said later on we got home and i'm like we all missed it you know after you leave disney you have that like disney, disney funk- blues yeah the funky blues right because you miss it you miss the pageantry you miss as much it's too much when you're there but then the minute you leave you miss it you know and then so you got to go a lot and then when you go a lot you start to explore more so now i'm in my 30s and i decide okay i'm gonna go I take the family, we come back, I start pacing. I decide, okay, if we're going to do it, then let's start selling everything we can. And let's go down and see if I can't get this job. And I went into casting and I had a three-piece suit on. I looked amazing, except for all the sweat, Matt. It was so hot. <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia and you know, I'm in, it's like July, you know, and I'm like, it's oh. a hot month in Orlando. But I was so driven that it didn't let it stop me till later. Uh, but that audition's in the book. It was a great audition and it worked. And they, they said, when can you start? And I said, oh, I'd love to start Tuesday. So that started my career in Disney as an animator and in operations. And I was so successful. So I have 70 applausograms in two years. That's when a guest will stop and go talk to guest services and the ambassadors and say, hey, this cast member. But it's just before the gate. Like they could just leave and get on with their day. But 70 of them did that. 70 managers gave me guest service fanatic cards. The dream team gave me Imagineering cards. I won safety awards. I won the Spirit of Disney Award three times. I was written up in the eyes and ears five times in the Main Street Diary. Yeah, I was a very happy cast member. And I, and I was just showered with gifts and, and great experiences. So I got real lucky. But I got my stamp that says Copyright Disney as an animator. It's a big deal kind of thing on my birthday, October 25th. So all those years later, it kind of came full circle. It's amazing. Then, then through a horrible tragedy, you know, uh, personal tragedy, it's in the book. I'm not going to bring your listeners down, but I lost everything through no fault of my own. I had to fight back. But by then my job and everything at Disney had changed. It grows and evolves. So when I came back to win it back again, uh, I had to start in a whole different place. I had to start in the Animal Kingdom Lodge as a busboy. Now I have the Spirit of Disney Award three times on my shelf. I have a stamp as an animation artist and instructor for Walt Disney World. Right. And, I, and I'm busing hotel rooms just to get started because it was the only full-time job they offered me four years later. In my life, I had to go fight for my kids and I won, but then I came back and my kids were like, we miss it. And I'm like, well, I'll go back, but I think animation's just about gone. And it was, Matt. So... I'm like, oh, I, the only thing left is Imagineering. And they're like, my kids don't know. They're like, yeah, Imagineering. They don't know, you know, but, <laughs> but you know, and I, know. I know it's a big dream. It's a big deal. 
so my dad said I'd never make it as an artist. So he f- made me go to engineering school where I could learn building systems and engineering, which I went kicking and screaming. And I was so clever that I would draw things for people and have them sometimes do my homework even because I was busy sketching and not telling my dad. So secretly I have a double life growing up where I'm an engineer and an artist and nobody knows because I got a full scholarship to art school, but I couldn't live in his house if I didn't go to engineering school. Like this is way back before your time, obviously, but yeah, my dad was tough on me, but I was clever enough and I had enough energy and a big heart. And I pulled that part off later on in life. Now I don't animations kind of leave in Disney for the most part, but I painted 500 murals up and down the East coast. I've been with it with a paintbrush in my hand and went to art school for eight years and engineering school for four to 12 years of college. So with all that education, all that vocabulary and 500 murals under my belt, Disney didn't know that I could also paint and draw and build things and sculpt. And I'm a fine artist. So animation was like the lowest form because that's fun. It was the greatest job I ever had. I have a story I want to tell you about. Yes, please. and, and it's, and if your listeners are with me, listen, I worked in, in Imagineering and we can talk about that or we could do another show, but in this <laughs> one, and listen, since the very beginning, when, when Walt decided he needed Imagineers, he needed engineers and creative people and he needed them to work together. And they worked two different ways. Like the Imagineer, the, the engineers are usually very like left-brained people and very logical and very, you know, and that's great. Cool. And yeah, they, we need that. And then you get all the artists that are just so genius that they don't care about your schedule and your time. This certain blue has to match this certain blue and leave us alone. Like, so somehow he couldn't get the two. So he, so he went around and he picked some animation artists and he picked other technical people and he formed the first group of Imagineers and they were his closest allies, people he trusted. And it was amazing. Since then they, they, people were separated in different parts, but they very rarely went back to animation. In fact, I don't believe that they ever did. And so for me to go from animation and have my stamp, then to get awarded an Imagineering helmet, which is right here, uh, years later, uh, since the start of Imagineering, I'm one of the few cast members that got the, 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 just the privilege and the honor to do both. And so with all the awards I have from operations and then being able to build Pandora from the ground up with these guys and work in the Polynesian and the Hangar Bar and Frozen, you know, I really, and, and Agrabah and, you know, Across from Swiss Family, the tree, that whole section, yeah, uh, and then and then all of Main Street, and then then the new castle uh, renovations, and then your favorite spot. I'm so glad you mentioned it, the Starbucks in Animal Kingdom. <laughs> oh, what a project that was! It looks like nothing. Oh, it took forever because everything had to be measured out. And then made crooked like it was made in the middle of the forest. So, right. so we didn't have the technical skills to do it. We're Aborigines, basically. So we're painting like not perfect. So, so you're used to constantly making things look as great as you can. And now you got to be like just slightly off a little bit so that it looked like you tried your best, but you, you weren't quite there. Like, cause you're in the woods, you, you have no access to anything, you know, to really measure stuff out. You have coconuts and tree bark and you're making your paint, you know? So we really went into the theming on that one. And I'm so glad that's one of your favorite places. It's, it's really refreshing to hear like a little job like that. It's really Really, and the artwork in there is exactly like I'm describing. If you remember, I remember. You know, there's little beans and stuff everywhere. If you look, it's really, really themed out and tricked out. And honestly, Animal Kingdom is so big. You need a coffee or an iced coffee you or do. something. <laughs> like I've been in Florida. <laughs> yeah, man, and it's air conditioned in there. Do you remember when it used to be like that menagerie of stuffed animals before? 
I do. I worked at Disney's Animal Kingdom right before it became that Starbucks location. So I have some memories of going in there. And, and it was a that. great little store, but it, you know, there's five other stores just like it. So Starbucks right. comes in and is like, no, we're taking this spot. <laughs> so if you look, there's like giraffes and different animals outside of it. And that's why we kept the original art that was out there and kind of tied it in back in with animal kingdom. But that's a cool little fact about the place is that, uh, Oh, I remember one night, man, there's columns that hold up the ceiling in that room. Right. And co- each column is hand painted and we had like four people try it. And I, listen, I, I want to start off by saying this. I worked with teams of amazing people. I personally can't take responsibility for anything, but what I did on the teams and usually on the teams, Matt, I was probably, 100% of the time, the least talented person. And that's the most humble thing I can say to you. But three people tried to get these columns right, but they were they were bent. They were like concave at the top and they got wider as they got to the bottom. So it threw off the geometry. Now, I'm an engineer and I went to art school for eight years. I got this, you know? I had four years of anatomy. You're not going to tell me about the geometry of this thing. <laughs> so I said, no, we're going to have to split this in half this way and do it like this. And then we can make it not so perfect. So three people tried it and then we had to paint it three times. You'll see the one column that's got... You can almost see through the paint. We really have to, we have to kills it out and then bring it back again. But it's like got to have a tea stain on it. And it's got to have like old bark stains running down it. So all the theming has to be done again. But I finally got it. And then we did all the other ones that way. So that's my little claim to fame to, is to solve that little problem of don't think of it as a cylinder that comes straight down because it widens out. You have to give a little more space at the top and bottom. I know that's a little bit. It's too no, much. It's, tri- brilliant, though. it's too much trigonometry to talk about over the radio or over your podcast. <laughs> But there's never too much math to talk about it. Yeah, oh, you're funny. <laughs> and then if you look at the ceiling, oh, there's so much like art that goes around it. I, I'm really glad that we got to talk about this. It's me it too. I'm I'm literally I, I'm I'm scrolling through my my phone because in on my last trip I actually did take a picture of the inside of Creature Comforts because I do admire the details that are in there. And I never thought too much about the columns, but now I'm going to have to go in and see if I can yeah. find them. Yeah, and you'll see, and you'll see how they're one person had them spiraling all the way around. I'm like, that's not gonna work. They would come straight down. So you had to drop a plum from away from it and get your line. And then you had to space out the bottom ones first, then go to the top, drop another plum, and just line them up. And when you made the connections, you were there. And then we could split it up with little beans and feathers and little, you know, it's mostly beans and stuff, but about things about coffee, but but done from the jungles, you know, it's really, really cool. It's a lot of fun. I got to tell you, the theming on everything in Disney is just amazing, isn't it? it like is. They really, really think of everything. By the time it gets to me, I have to build it, make it out of concrete, paint it, make it look that people walk up, touch it and be like, is that real? You know, we, <laughs> we'd have concrete and we'd have to make it look like glass. Like, it's really amazing what we can do with paint. Uh, and the foreshadowing and stuff when we build something like you probably know this from, from having an imagine, imaginary podcast, but you know, when things are way up in the air, they're really not that far. I mean, they're far, but they're not that far by force sh- shortening the, the level itself and then shrinking things from the ground looking up. There's just a slight, there's a minute for an illusion where you're like, Whoa, that's really cool. So you'll see it in the castle, both at Hogwarts and at Cinderella's castle in, in Florida, but they're really, really cool little things that, that a lot of people, it takes them a few visits to start to catch on that. You're just part of the show now because you know, you're in the play or you're, cause you're starting to get it, you know, but you never see backstage. You know, if you're a guest, you never get to see backstage. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you're a cast member. Cause then we can talk like traditions was amazing. It was amazing. I loved it. And I won't tell anybody about it, 
<laughs> but that is, well, I won't. I want you to experience it for yourself. Be a part of that magic. You know what I mean? Just go get your name tag. There's nothing like it. I did it three times with my career. I had to. So, I, you know, I have three different name tags. It's amazing. That um, is amazing. So I want to tell you my story about animation, if you'll just yes. let me. Let's but hear wait, it. Let's but, hear it. But do you, have, do you have any questions you have to talk about? Because you are, you, you, are, you are, first of all, checking off a lot of questions I had as we're talking, and I'll probably dive into some specifics. But I, uh, you know, there's also some stories like this that I, I didn't even think to bring up that are great. Well, here's a story that nobody's ever heard before. Let, that makes it great. Let's hear it. And, and I want your listeners to hear it. So I'm working in animation with three other people. Isaac is a guy. He's from feature animation down to instruction to make sure it stays on the Disney standard. And he's got a class coming up where he promised people that only get to come once a year that he do Winnie the Pooh for him. So he's committed to that class. Okay. Backstage, there's two girls, Charlotte and Carrie. Now they're both international. Well, one's an international college program student. And the other one was an, was a, was an American college program student. So they're both training to learn how to draw Mickey because they're both artists. And then there's me and I can do the, you know, anything I'm trained to do everybody, but I'm, I'm older than everybody. I'm 20 years older than them. So it's a rainy night and they let all the superheroes go out and fight crime. They can stop signing autographs and they have to go fight crime. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, so they leave and they clock out, you know, they're like, okay, we're done. The entertainment part of our job. Now we have to go fight crime. So we lose Mr. Incredible. Mrs. Incredible and Frozone are still kind of backstage, but they're getting ready to go fight crime. So, so then Charlotte comes in and says, there's this family out here and there's like, it's a whole church for this little boy. And he's in a wheelchair. He's not, he's not doing good. And it's kind of like a make a wish thing. And Isaac's like, well, I have a class I got to go to. And I'm like, well, who do we have? And then Carrie's like, well, we have Mrs. Incredible. I could probably go catch her and Frozone and we could do an impromptu meet and greet and make this kid's wishes come true. It was really a sweet gesture for everybody to kind of pull them together. And I'm like, well, what about Mr. Incredible? That's his favorite. Cause when Charlotte came back, she said, Hey, the, he'd love to meet Mr. Incredible. Is there any way, you know, they're leaving tomorrow. It was really one of these desperate situations. And we had a manager on duty who could have probably organized this better than me. But she was in the playhouse and it was pouring rain. It's the reason why everybody left. It wasn't going to start up at the end of the night again. So we let some people go because, <clears throat> you know, they have to go fight crime. Of course. So, right. So now playhouse is filled with families with their little babies while it's gushing rain and lightning bolts outside in Hollywood studios. And I'm in the animation Academy. I got these two cast members. We're ready to close up. And Isaac, Isaac has to do the last class. So he's out of the picture, but he could whip out a Mr. Incredible. I've never drawn Mr. Incredible before, but I'm not afraid of anything. I'm like, I'm going to do this. This is all magic. So I tell Charlotte, I'm like, if you can go out and stall them and tell them they can bring the little boy and the mom and dad, and that's it. But the whole church, they, we can't, because now we're bringing people basically backstage. Now it's only a little hallway that leads to an animation room. But I knew if I could get them where, there with me, I could entertain them for a little while till we get Mrs. Incredible and Frozone back to just meet the kid. Because I figure Mr. Incredible's done. Well, Carrie goes, gets Mrs. Incredible, gets Frozone, and then gets on a bike. So I have to stall this family now. And they're already somewhere where they shouldn't be because really at any point, anybody could walk through. But we give the all clear and then people know there's like a little, you know, we give each other a high sign when there's a guest backstage. Right. So I get them in the animation room now. And this little boy, I got to tell you, Matt, this part is hard. He, you know, he wasn't doing good, but his little heart and his eyes were so 
happy and grateful to be there. Everyone else is out like with dodging lightning bolts and waiting by the doors of every building for it to stop raining so they can go to their soaking wet stroller and leave the park. And I'm making it sound grim and dismal, but none of that mattered to me. I had to draw Mr. Incredible now for this family, and I never drew him before. There's so many characters, you know, and we start with like 20, and then from there, you know, so... I have a license now to draw anybody I want. Now I have my stamp and I'm already an official animator and I'm, you know, I can do it. So all I need is a picture of Mr. Incredible. So I get the family in and I'm explaining, Hey, we need a picture. So they brought in the little sister too. I, I told Charlotte, but she said, Oh, but it's a sister. We can't leave her out there. And I said, absolutely bring her in. Yeah, so now course. it's those three and the boy and we get them in the room. And now I'm just kind of stalling a little bit, but I get them to bring out a picture of Mr. Incredible. Charlotte, bless her heart, was standing there being so nice to the sister and the parents. Like, she's like, would you like some water? She's from England, so she had this great accent. So she's like, would you care for some water? Like, she was so gracious. And now Frozone and Mrs. Incredible walk in, and I have the family holding up one of their phones for a copyrighted picture of, of Mr. Incredible because it had to be exactly. Like, you can't just wing it. It has to be Disney quality. So I have to look at it to make sure that all my measurements are right. So I'm sketching it really fast, and I'm almost done. And then I don't know how it happened. You can call it magic. But Frozone, Mrs. Incredible, and Mr. Incredible show up at the time when I finished wow. drawing to give it to the little boy. Then, then they all signed it, and I signed it. So he had this picture of Mr. Incredible signed by Mr. Incredible and me, a Disney animation artist, you know. And it was just such a beautiful moment. And I never got to tell anybody that story. And the trophies really go to Charlotte and Carrie and Isaac because they all did what they were supposed to be doing. I wasn't even – I clocked out already, but I couldn't – I couldn't – you know, you're not allowed to do that. Once you clock out, you, you know, you should probably leave. But as an animator, I can stay and go in the vault and look at all the sketches and learn and practice. I had so much freedom. So I took it upon myself to do this. And then when we escorted them back outside, they were just so happy. And then we all went out afterwards, like, because the park was closed then. Isaac, and we went out to, like, if you know, there's um, there's a lot of, like, Orlando houses, like, uh, where you go get, like, chicken wings and stuff and beer. Right. And, <laughs> and we did. And that's how the night ended. But it was a rainy night for everybody else. But we just saw an opportunity to make some magic. And I just never got a chance to ever really say, like, I've done so many podcasts, but I never got to promote my friends who have helped and been a part of the magic. I go, of course, and get a, an applause gram for that. Now that family goes and, you know, Timmy did this. I didn't do anything. It was these other people that we were a team, you know, and that's just a story that I've never told anyone. I just want to make sure it got out there. You know, that's an amazing story. And it shows, yeah. I mean, that's, that is an indication of how you won so many awards, it's little things like that, that makes such a big difference in a guest stay. And when you magnify that or you multiply it by the number of possible interactions you can have, I mean, yeah. that's really creating Disney's mission is creating happiness. And that's exactly what you were doing. Well, this was a year of a million dreams. And I got to tell you one out of every 500 kids is in a wheelchair as, as sad as that is to say, they're not all as desperate as this little boy was, but you know, they have a problem here and there. So we try to go out of our way, but on a rainy night when everything's shutting down and we're closing down and we're letting people go to have everybody reunite, even off the clock, you know, and just make it happen for this family was something I'll never forget. And Carrie was so proud of herself. I hugged her and Charlotte too was just a dear Charlotte found them. Charlotte's the one that made it really, it all happen. Yeah. And Isaac, Isaac's like, Oh, so he made sure that the class when it ended, came out and met everybody. Cause once we left that little drawing room, we went back out on stage 
And by then his class had ended and it was just this great big reunion. It was really just a magical night and a magical moment at Walt Disney World. They never got to share with anyone until right now on your show. So, <laughs> so thanks for letting me do that. And I just, I just wanted to be able to tell you that. Thank so you, you for wanna, sharing it. So you want to talk about Imagineering? You want to talk well, about building talk stuff? talk about Imagineering. I think we should talk about that. So how okay. long, all right, let, let's, let's first start here. How did you make the jump into Walt Disney Imagineering? Cause that's the, I think that's the piece that a lot of people, I like to ask Imagineers cause that's the, that's the mystery. A lot of people want to know, like, how do you actually get into Yeah, It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. Tell yourself it's impossible every day and just don't quit. That's the I only answer that works because otherwise the right job has to be up with the, the right need and yeah. you have to fill that right gap at that right moment. Somehow that's how you become an Imagineer. So by the time I got there, I was ready to go. I had already built all of the Harry Potter stuff at Universal. So here's how I switched. I went down to see if I could maybe, I don't know, sit on Main Street and draw the watches that people get, the guests get, you know, draw Tigger and they put it in a watch. Like I figured yeah. I could do something creative or fun and I'm good with the guests. And I went back, never known that my engineering degree, all my years of painting wall murals and understanding paint, all the varnishes and all the substrates and building things in 3D would ever come into play because I saw one path at Disney and never even gave Universal a thought because I was such a Walt aficionado. So I had this story that that happened went just before I went in anyway. We'll save that for another time. It's in the book. Read the book, Extraordinary Everyday Magic. There we go. That's a good plug for the book, which, by the way, we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. And I have uh, I have the link in the podcast description for those who are listening. Well, well, thank you so much for that. But if it comes up, I'm just excited about it. <laughs> like, it's the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, right? And, yes. And, and so... To be an animation artist and an Imagineer, and then to write a book with 50 quotes from Walt, 58-page chapters about, it's just little memoirs of these great stories, and then with 50 drawings on each chapter, too, for the 50 years. So, And then to get it done in time, I'm so proud of Catherine, how much help she's been. She really, really, like, she, I dictated it all. And she just kind of took it, turned it into this wonderful, wonderful, readable story for people. And it's like one of those books you keep in the bathroom. You just, you know, every or day on your bookshelf or in your office. No, you know? <laughs> no, no. Keep it in your bathroom. That way I'm sure you'll Coffee read tables. No, it'll never get read. I want you to read it. There's something, <laughs> there's a chapter for everybody and you might not get it till like, you know, your third or fourth week, but if you keep it in the bathroom right by the towels, <laughs> once or every other day, you'll get a chance to sit and just page through. You got nothing else to do. Put on your glasses and just, and, and read it. Cause it's a really fun <laughs> thing. And I listen, I'm not big into advertising. I'm more about the art. Honestly, like you'd be a better marketer for me than I am. I'm just <laughs> telling you, I'm in a great place. And my life is sublime because of how hard I worked through the course of it. And to be able to share, because it wasn't easy. I, like I got divorced. I had to fight for my kids. A lot of bad stuff happened, man. I spent a lot of time at the Ron McDonald house with kids and all that stuff's in the book too, to help people get through whatever they're going through in life. If I can make it, man, you can too. And just don't stop and don't give up and talk to God. He's listening. I just have to tell you the truth because I told him if he, if he got me through some of the things I had, I would someday let people know that he listens. That's it. I'm not preaching. I'm not on a soapbox. I'm not bringing any religion into it. I'm just saying there's a God and he listens. That's my only message for the world. So that's in the book too, just very simply. Like it's kind of a common theme that God and Walt are watching out for me because they must be Matt because I got awarded my Imagineering helmet on my birthday finally all those years later. This is so and I, amazing. And my path to Imagineering, which was your original question, started Universal Studios because once I got fired, I said, well, then can I go golfing? Because I got I need a new plan. <laughs> and as a big Dallas Cowboy fan, they just happened to be playing that Sunday at a bar. And one of the animation guys 
who left animation to go help all the cast members with the union, became the vice president of the union. Isaac Kropp is an amazing guy for cast members, really fought for everybody. Animation had left, and so he's like, well, I'm going to fight for cast members in the union. So he did that, and I got fired as a busboy. He's like, I can't believe it. Come on out, and we're going to talk. So we go to the, we go to the Gators up in uh, Kagan's Crossing. You know, some of your listeners will know that. Yeah. And uh, I meet this guy and he's like, wow, Isaac tells us you can draw. So real quick, I draw Mickey Mouse with a sorcerer hat on because the sorcerer hat is blue. And it's got silver stars. So I'm trying to convince everybody at the table that Mickey Mouse is actually a Dallas Cowboy fan because he wears <laughs> that hat. Right. So they're having a great laugh about it. And I sketch it out. And the guy's like, wow, you really can draw. And Isaac's like, I told you, the guy's amazing. So he's like, can you paint? And I'm like, well, sure. And he's like, Call this girl and hear that was just the beginning of Diagon Alley and, and all the parts of it. So I call her, I get in, and now I'm working for Universal Studios, building all of the Wizarding World. And I actually had only seen three movies because of my daughter. She bought all the books. She read them all. I couldn't get through to them. I couldn't, you know. They're long books. I did read all of them. So you I did, yeah. I did, but uh, I'm older than you, read. though. I'm older than you. And I spent my time reading Tolkien and, and C.S. Lewis and all the, yeah. you know, I read all that Classics. stuff. And then when they made these great movies, I felt like, all right, you know, I'll read the first book with my daughter and then I'm going to start watching the movies. Cause I just couldn't keep track of all the names that she had for everybody. Like as an adult with really bad eyes and trying to make out Hagrid and all this, I didn't know what it meant, but my daughter, wow, she picked it right up. So anyway, we fall in love with the parks. If it wasn't for that, I would have been probably a little bit more like, wow, I'm really going to go to work for Universal. I felt like I was betraying Walt in so many ways, but the truth is it was Walt's. I, I wasn't getting to Imagineering from working at the Animal Kingdom in operations. One's creative and entertainment and Imagineering and one's operations. They never, they don't even like really mix ever. Like, like the Imagineers will build something and then hand it over to operations and they will run it. Then the Imagineers can only come in and say, hey, this isn't right or that isn't right, but that's it. You know, operations, they do a great job too. And having worked for both, I just figured I could work back and forth if I ever needed to. But once animation was gone and I was over in Universal, I had this friend named Jackie who just said, hey, these are our proprietary colors and this is what we're doing. And something inside me just snapped all my training, all my years of art, all my murals. And now I have all this energy and I have a new purpose in life. So I start doing it and I understand all the vocabulary and I'm really energetic as you can tell. Right. Which so is I good. Just, it's good to have that positive, strong energy. Well, it's carried me far. You know, I, I believe every day that if you just wake up grateful and you try to serve other people, everything you need will kind of be taken care of for you. So it's true. kind of, it kind of just lands in your path. So if you want to be an Imagineer, just go and try and don't give up. But to tell you, Oh, you have to do a, then B, then C, there is no a and B and C there's, there's, you know, put on your seatbelt and say a prayer and work as hard as you can. Like, honestly, that's it. The normal channels, yeah, they might have a need for it. And with Imagineering moving from California to Florida now, man, they have the land, they have the Imagineers, everything will be built first there and tried out first there. So if you're an artist and you want to start working, you think you do scenic work, go down and try and start, you know. If you don't make it to Imagineering, I'll tell you what. You can make it as a lead artist or even an art director, make a great living, be really proud, win awards, have your name on lots of cool stuff. So Imagineering, you know, you have to be an art director, be an Imagineer so that you can lead and teach others. So you almost have to be an, Imagine an art director first to become an Imagineer if you want to do it through Scenic or be an engineer, 
that is creative like you. And then you would come to me and say, I have to put in this animatronic soundboard for, that goes for the sky and it moves. I'm like, well, I have to get the wall behind it to look like, you know, 13th century Gothic Spain or something. And right. like, well, you know, so we'd have to work together on it. But in that way, it's again, teamwork. So I'm back. So now there's no guests. It's just me and other Imagineers, but the teamwork is still there. When we, I was on stage as an animation artist, there was teamwork to help the guests. Now there's teamwork to bring something for all the guests to, to, to marvel at one day. And that is the best part of Imagineering. I don't care what any Imagineer tells you. It's when rope drop happens and you're standing there in your plate clothes like a normal person and nobody knows who you are. And there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people waiting behind that rope. And you get to walk in with them and hear them say, oh, and oh, and ah, and wow, and look at this and take my picture here and just kind of sit back. And it's like the best day to people watch as they explore and discover all the little things that you spent years hiding for them. The clever ones will find them right away and know to look for them. Other people, you'll have to point it to them. But once they see it, now they're in love with it too. And they get a real personal investment because we didn't tell them. When you let a guest find what, you're, what, what you've hidden, they are then tied to it, like in a way, in their heart and in their spirit. Because artistically, now they've seen the same vision and no one told them. They figured it out from knowing the story, following Imagineering, seeing what Disney can do, and believing with all their hearts. And once they do, as corny as that may sound, Magic happens. Like I've seen little girls walk through Harry Potter. I mean, really little girls with a really older guy or grandfather, obviously. Right. And they must have spent time reading the story back and forth. Well, grandfather read it to granddaughter. You know, maybe once a month she'd go to grandpops and they'd read the story. But it was Harry Potter. So I'm a guest doing that one day, just in my plate clothes, keeping my mouth shut, just listening. And I see this little girl walk over one way and see something. And grandfathers see something else, and then they look at each other and point, and then they just run into each other's arms. And it was a moment that only those two know what it was. But I know that whatever it was about, they just, all the things they talked about, you know, at night as he's, as he's reading her to bed, now here they are, they could see it. And they both got it because he's tall. You know, he could see it from his point of view. And she's little, and she could still see it from hers. And so when they showed each other what they both discovered, <laughs> like there was no words that need to be said. They kind of saw it. That's the magic that happens, Matt. And I, I got to tell you, from operations or Imagineering, you get a chance to, to just be a part of those families' memories. Like the parks are so clean. And that's because the guests, the guest members, there's what, 85,000 guest members picking up after everybody. That's but if, right. they did, if they didn't do it, imagine that picture of that family and then like that, Mickey Mouse ice cream bar wrappers floats by in the photograph. Well, that's not cool, man. And, and that picture might be the very last picture of the whole family with grandma, sadly. So you don't want a Mickey wrapper in the picture. You want Ariel and, you know, all the great stuff. So it's really important when you see a cast member bent down to pick up a piece of trash because you don't know how far the ripples go on that. But Walt did, he, you know, he made it real clear to everybody that if you love something, you'll take care of it. And if you don't, other people will make it worse. If you love something, they'll take care of it. But if you don't take care of what you love, other people will absolutely make it worse. And that tradition has gone on all these years now, 50 years at Walt Disney World. Yeah. Plus, plus the 75 at Disneyland, keeping this clean traction for photographs and families. I mean, look at what we've been through. The pandemic, all the horrible stuff. It's the one place where they just still try to let you escape from that. And now we have a lot to escape from, honestly. So this 50-year anniversary is coming along exactly when it's supposed to <laughs> 
right on schedule. Uh, you have so many overlaps, I feel, with Waltz, and I can tell that you're a fan of of Waltz as well. The obstacles that you've overcome, the ethic, the work ethic, the the faith and belief and the determination, those were all things that Walt himself went through. And I almost could, as you were talking, I, I feel that positive energy and that self-belief. And it's clear why when you went after what it is that you loved and you learned to do all these things, and even with you know your dad saying, well, you should go to school for engineering and you're doing art and engineering, that's perfect for that. That's literally Imagineering. I mean, that's like exactly right. Coming together. So yeah, that's, I can see how, and you're right. Every Imagineer I've spoken to has a different story about how absolutely right. Um, there's no right path. I, I couldn't tell you if I could, that would be the book. <laughs> hey, Imagineering step one and step two and step three. I will All tell you this. Steps. I will, I will give you uh, your listeners advice. Yes. Vocabulary is very important. So, so please learn your craft, learn what everything means. So you can have a conversation with the art directors and it doesn't have to be an education. You just have a conversation because you right. both understand the vocabulary. So learn the vocabulary of your craft, whatever it is and go in expecting to learn from them. Don't go in showing them anything. It's Disney world. They've seen it all. They've done it all. You're not going to impress them that way. You're going to impress them by showing up every day and asking, Hey, how can I help? And what can I learn here? And if you do those things, you have a really good chance. In fact, if you do those things, you'd have a good chance at almost anything in life, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's true. So I tell people that all the time. Show so if up, you want to get an imaginary, hard. do the right things. Exactly right. And and you'll find that they're people too. They're just people. And so when you get to know them, now they're really smart, nice, creative, clever people. You start getting along. Then when the work day's over, you end up hanging out with them. And then you become friends and you meet their kids. And then it's one big giant family. So I'm really so lucky to have the life that I've had. I, you know, I worked hard for it, but when your father tells you, you know, you'll never make it as an artist, so have this backup thing, and you find a way to use them both by accident, it wasn't me. Walt was watching, man. And that's like, so the book starts, the cover of the book, I don't know if you can see it, but back I, here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually Walt watching fireworks, making a wish on the very last ember that someone would take over stream because two months later he was gone. So he must have known there was probably a shortness of breath. He didn't want to tell anybody because it wasn't until a week later that he actually went to his first doctor's appointment. So right. I think somewhere around my birthday, this man made a wish. Now, I tell everybody, follow your dreams and believe in your heart and you can do it and don't give up. You know, I really believe that. I've had like four dreams come true in one lifetime. I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm five maybe with between the book and NFL films and animation and Imagineering and art director at Universal Studios. I mean, it just seems like if you go at things with the right approach, it's almost easy, really. Now, it wasn't easy. It was a lot of hard work. And I told you, I sweat like crazy, right, in that heat. Yeah. So imagine having a hat and a bandana and gloves and a vest and a shirt and an undershirt and a belt and pants and socks and boots, you know, and everything you touch is hot. Like the, the scaffolding is hot and the, the, the concrete itself is hot. Yeah. So you put paint on it and it burns because the sun temperature on the rock is hotter than like a frying pan sometimes. So you have to really wet it down and cool it off and then get your latex to suck into the concrete before it cures in seven minutes. And we're doing entire mountains this way. Oh, what? <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. So if you don't become an Imagineer, say thank you to the universe because it's so much hard work that <laughs> that really that's why it takes a special kind of breed of just crazy energetic love for magic that just won't quit and you get like 50 of those people together from all over the world and it's really beautiful i work with people that didn't speak the same language 
because we brought people from Japan, China, France, all over. You know, I don't even speak Spanish. So, you know, three, four, four people on my team were Spanish, but they could translate. Like they had, they figured it out. I, uh, but we didn't need to in some parts because the colors were our language. So we'd be working on something and some guy from Japan uh, would have this cool little technique that I never saw before. So I'm now I get to be a student. Now I'm an art director and I know all the vocabulary and I've been doing it my whole life. But here's this guy like chipping away at the little piece of polygem on this one vine and creating this little texture that I thought, oh, that's a great way to do it. I could use that for something else. So Fujita was the guy's name and he was chipping away at this like brush and getting this really cool effect that when you stood away from it, it gave this look to it. It was like a graduation of two colors on top of each other to make another color, but from a wow. hundred, but from a hundred feet away. Wow. So if you're on the ground looking up, you see one thing, but you don't know up close. It's really just a bunch of this. So you have to paint like that because the viewer, or the guest, is going to be two football fields away sometimes. And so even with even with forced perspective, you have to take into consideration that what they're going to see. And then, oh, Matt, you're going to love this part. Florida is the sunshine state. So if you want to have something dark and you have this giant sun going across the sky <laughs> in Florida every day, all year long, there's times in the day when that light comes through our atmosphere and will change the way paint looks according to your eyes. So at a certain point of the day, it's like from 11 to 2, everything looks yellow. So we have to paint against that because that's actually also when it's really crowded the most. And at nighttime, oh, it all lights up and it's all colors and it's bioluminescent. So we don't have to worry about it. So a lot of things you'll see before 11 in the morning or after two in the afternoon are one color. And then you'll come back at that time of day and you'll be like, I swear that was green. Doesn't that look blue to you? It's your eyes playing tricks on you with the Florida sun at that time of day, making everything yellow. And a lot of people don't wow. know how, how the light works and that the Imagineers go to that level to make sure that your experience is fully immersive. That's the big difference. Yeah. And I, I'm sure you've had a lot of Imagineers talk to you before, but I bet you none of them ever told you that. Not to that detail. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. You're the first, you're the first to mention that. And I'm glad you brought up Pandora because I mean, of all the projects that you worked on, I think that's probably one of my favorites. I mean, that's every time I sit, everyone, every time somebody asks me my favorite land, it's a toss up. It depends on my mood, but Pandora comes up a lot. And it's because of that immersion in the environment that you feel like you've just stepped onto Pandora. Plus Flight of Passage is a blast. The greatest ride. Oh man. Amazing. So what are some of the details or so what in Pandora specifically did you work on? I should ask that question. Uh, every, everything there's 50 Imagineers and we, we started in one area. We build it, we build it, we build it, we build it. We'd help each other. We'd go level by level. So every part of it, I had a little piece of it, but my main responsibility though, were the vines, the moss, the rocks, the flowers, that's, that's the a lot plants. There's a lot of that. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Like some people just had rocks, but then they had to help out with moss. And some people just had moss, but they'd help out with rocks. But I had vines just Oh, almost 1500 vines in Pandora that are insane handmade or made like some of them are three buses long. I said they're as long as three buses and they're triple redundant hung up. Like that means like they're not just hung up with a stainless steel. This there's separation wires in case this falls or that falls, this will catch that. And that will catch this and nobody gets hurt 1500 times on both ends. <laughs> and then I got to paint it, and make it go away. So you can't see it as a guest. 
I'm telling you, engineering and the artwork in that project is just fantastic. To see that that tree is falling over now, because what happens in Pandora takes place 70 years after the first movie. Now, have you seen the first movie? It was just stunning, right? Everybody it agrees. Is a gorgeous film, great story, really oh, great film. But but the CG in it is 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 fantastic. But now, you know, now James Cameron comes to the Imagineering team and says, "I don't think it can be done," and like the guys. Like Joel and Stephen Porter and all and Joe Rody, they're like, well, let us try. Because what we have now is that tree has fallen over and the roots have uprooted and they're up in the air. So they're catching the, a couple floating mountains, which starts a backup. Because once one is there, the vines from one to the other keep the other one from floating away. And now we have three mountains that are just kind of kind of stationary. They're, they could fly away at any moment, but this tree that has been knocked over by the humans keeps them from going, which creates their own environment. So now like we had like real pelicans and real hawks and raccoons everywhere while we're seriously like you're painting and there's like geckos on your stuff. You're like, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. If we tried to make I it as real you. as realistic as we could, but, the, but you know, this great product called Polygem and it's, it's this really great industrial plastic that we use to like, you can smear it on. Now you don't, it's sticky, man. And you got like, 15 minutes. Like we have to throw powder at it to keep it from drying up too hard, especially in a Florida sun. We talked about that 10 times already, but, <laughs> but, but the thing about this is once it hardens, once it kicks, once it cures and becomes a solid thing, it still gives a little bit. So the vines can move in the wind and it won't crack. It bends. That's why it's, 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 you know, it has the flex part in the name and vine by vine by vine up one side of the scaffolding down another it was just amazing. It was really kind of magical, but at the same time, it's separate from Disney. That particular attraction is all Pandora. It's all, it's all earthlings and humans being symbiotic with this wonderful land. So like, if you go, it changes at night and the sounds change and it's really, really got something for almost everybody there. So the slow moving boat ride underneath you know, if it's too much to go on the full ride, great. Take I love the not for journey. It's great. Yeah. Do you know how how much money it costs for him to put in the dancing Navi? Uh, like when she, the, the girl that moves, I, I just, you know, people go by and they just think, oh, it's Disney. It's amazing. They don't understand it. These things are expensive and very technical. And to get them to run and run over and over, like they have to be tested 100,000 times before a guest ever sees it. So as the Imagineers were walking around and we're like, she's in the middle of talking and then she'll stop. And we're like, wait, 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 wait. That's, you know, we got to get behind there with these ladders. And so, you know, it's really cool. And, and it wasn't filled with water yet. Right. So it was a track. So we're walking in these really weird like places in the dark. So you always had to have a headlamp on in there. And then when they black lit paint it, oh my God, like some of the things, the props that we had brought in and they tested it and tested it and tested it just to give you that, calm serene placid cruise through the water and be part of the underneath the mountain magic you know what's left of the navi because you see the destruction outside with the with the train it's great it's great to have that story followed we did get to sneak in a couple hidden mickeys though and i gotta be honest oh, with did you. you we weren't supposed to but i was gonna say i thought there was gonna be no mickey anywhere in pandora no, but 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 then when you hide them, what do we want me to tell they, you? They're hidden. That's, that's so, the definition. <laughs> so we fought for it and fought for it. And then we just decided, well, nobody's going to tell that to Mickey. Nobody can tell that to Mickey. You know, we could tell it to Mickey. But <laughs> we told ourselves that nobody could. But then it just got 
grown over and over because it's like a forest that keeps on growing on top of itself. So it's supposed to look like that. So there was never really chances. So I decided I was just going to hide some and then put plants in front of it and stuff like that. But at the very end, then finally, the head of Disney Imagineering and the head art directors and Joe Rory are like, eh, if there was a hidden Mickey here and there, it probably wouldn't matter, you know? <laughs> so we got a chance to go and like take certain bushes that can only be seen at one part of the day where when the light the sun hits them, they bright up yellow and it's it's three bushes that make up hidden Mickey. Oh, so that's so one. cool. But you can only see it from a bridge between the first two mountains if you look up to your left, way up in the air. And you'd be like, oh, you got. You almost have to use binoculars because there's going to be branches in the way. Right. But if, the, if there's a little breeze, so that's one. And then uh, there's a part where the strollers go. I'm not sure if you can see it anymore, but uh, we we would throw moss. We would flick moss, right? So it's it's this really cool concoction of like coconut fiber, but covered in industrial glue. So it's biodegradable if it had to be, or if you were going to eat it. But it's all safe. But when it hardens, then the little coconut fibers, they kind of stand up in different directions like grass would. So when you flick it all over everything and then let it sit for a minute, so it starts to cure and harden, the little things come up. And then go and try and take them off. You can't. They're hard as a rock. They look soft and fluffy, but they're not. So it'd be a great thing to scratch your back on if you get, you know, take your shirt off. Anyway, <laughs> once it's in that state, you can then take a lighter value color like from a dark green to a really bright yellow and when you with a little bit of water you can mix it on and make a hidden mickey in the moss so if you look through the moss look for areas of bright yellow hidden mickeys through the green moss that'll send your guests on wild goose chases but they're there and then some nobody will ever see i, I hid one in a water pit way down i took spray paint made a mickey you know <laughs> what i mean i put my girlfriend's initials and then they fill it with water and it's 200 feet in the air. So nobody's ever going to see it. <laughs> There's no way to know. Yeah. No, but it's there. It's there. So what kind of questions do you have for me? Well, I mean, we've, we've addressed a bunch. I definitely want to talk about um, a couple of additional projects that I love. So Pandora is a huge one. Yeah. A smaller one that I could spend, you know, you talk about like sitting in an area and just being able to spend hours there. One of them that I love is... Trader Sam's Grog Grotto at oh, Polynesian. And not yeah. even so much for the drinks, just the, the fun. Yeah, the that's fun a fun amazing. place, man. Like, do you know that? You probably know this, but I don't know if your listeners know that. But when I left there, there's certain drinks that people would order or not order. But if you did order one, the bartender knew. And when he gave you this glass, it would upset this other God. And they had a whole thing, but it was different depending on who ordered what. So some days it would never happen. And other days it'll happen like three times in a row. So the guests start to catch on and they start ordering a certain drink. Then the gods will change the drink. So now the guests are like, Oh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's this drink, but Thursday when they come in, now we've changed it. So it's, it's just, it was a lot of fun, but little things like that, the, the bartenders and the guests get to kind of, play along with the theming that is live around you all the time and the bars and you know, the stools that move and the, 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 the surfboards that are like wobbling and going up and down. And the whole place rumbles when the volcano, like you see out the window, there's a the volcano. Krakatoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's rock and roll right in there, man. And it's not even really that big of a place, you know, it's small. It's, yeah. it's, it's you can be waiting quite a while to get in there. If you're in there at like a peak time. It's funny because do, they, they, they went, they went crazy with the theming and made it so cool. But then they were so surprised when so many people liked it. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? It's so fun in there. Like it's, and it's air conditioned. My, my, um, 
my involvement in that part of the project was really cool. So I go in, it's just a blank room basically. Yeah. And, and we get down the first couple of colors and we start bringing in some of the props and there was like an Imagineer for everything. Like uh, somebody had to do the animatronics, somebody had to do the sound, somebody had to do the lights and somebody had to do props. And then somebody had to paint it and make it fun and Hawaiian. And I didn't know it, but I think that was one of the projects that helped me get the final check in that mysterious box for the Imagineers to choose me because I'd worked on this project and this project and this project. And, and I kept running into the same Imagineers and I was just so happy to meet them. You know, I was just like, you know, they didn't know that I had all this background, all this education, all this love and all this passion, all this energy. But on that project for me, you know, I had like one week to get something done that I got done in four days, really, actually. Oh, wow. Build, but I was inspired. So when you're motivated, like you kind of paint outside your mind. I'm painting with two hands at one point. And it's <laughs> just then, no, you're laughing. But like you hear people talking and you hear sound checks and you hear people using, you know, hammer drills and, you know, chainsaws. Like there's all kinds of, you know, work going on. And then I started to paint. And I only had a white helmet at the time. They didn't know who I was, but they said, Man, we got to get it done. Everybody else is doing this. Give this guy a chance. We're going to move the pool five feet over. Did you ever move a pool before? They're I have not never easy moved move. a pool. Yeah. Definitely yeah, not by myself. I didn't think it could be done, but they made a snap out of it. It was poof, like that. And it was moved. It was amazing. So <laughs> That's crazy. So so that so the, the Trader Sam's is just really dear to my heart because I think somewhere there, a check mark was like checked off somewhere in Imagineering because then when I got the phone call, it was right after the Polynesian job that I got the phone call and the invitation to be part of the Imagineering team. And if you have the Disney plus channel, if you go through it, there's an Imagineering story. Yeah. Well, the, ver the very last episode is above and beyond. And you see me in that three for th three times. I'm like this, I'm like that. And I'm like this and that's it. But I'm building Pandora in it with, you know, and you can see me. So to be part of that Imagineering story, which starts out, if you watch episode one, it's walled and everything I kind of told you about how they started and everything was, you know, I can't believe he actually accomplished all the things that he did. So to give yourself to someone else's dream, when it's a dream like this, I don't care. It doesn't have to be Timmy Britt world. It's not even about me. It's about the idea of having a place where you can escape with your family, go in happy, come out happier. And while you're there, make friends along the way. And it's been going on year after year. You have a podcast because of it. I devoted my entire life to it, you know? So it's amazing. It's the one place where people from different countries that wouldn't otherwise get along can sit on a bench while their children play in the fountains and have a conversation. You know, that can't happen on the other side of the gates, but on these side of the gates, everybody's friends here. You know, you're scared just like you're, they're scared when you're on the tower of terror. It doesn't matter that you're from this country and you're from that country. When you're falling 13 stories, guess what? You're best friends. You're scared to death, <laughs> you know? So Disney brings that out in you and the heartwarming things like when, you know, your little kids are playing together and then they don't even speak the same language at all, but the little kids don't care about your color or where you came from. They just have two flowers and they want you to have one. That's it. That happens at Walt Disney world. Like that's the magic people don't ever talk about. I think because it's right there. And as an animation artist and then as an Imagineer, I got to really work with purpose, knowing that all these special little moments could take place in whatever it is that I built. So I took a lot of pride in what I did and I worked hard and, and I'm proud of everybody I worked with and I'm proud of everything I was a part of. It was a really, really amazing thing. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I would still be there. That I think is true for a lot of people. Um, I've, I've spoken if it to wasn't for the pandemic, though, I probably wouldn't have written my book. It's, there you it go. 
that gave me the time just before the 15th anniversary to get together with Catherine and say, if we're ever going to do this, man, now's our chance. And we sat down, I'm telling you, she worked 10, 12 hours a day, five, six days a week, writing, 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 thinking about this, scratching this out. She works. So I, I can't take the credit for, like, sure, I drew the pictures and, and I told the stories and I lived the life. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> that's, that's but, a big part of it. Yeah, but the way she wrote it, in this memoir fashion, sort of like each chapter moves along my life. They're, they're clever. Like she's got such a charm to it. I didn't know that she'd already written a book before and was, is, you know, is a great writer in the, in the Christian community. She's won awards for her writing. So, and she's like a doctor and she's a therapist and she's this really smart person. who just happens to have a heart made of just pure gold. So I told her, Hey, if I can ever do anything for you, what happened was she came to my class a lot of time when I was an animation artist years and years ago, and just loved it so much. Didn't know that I had already gotten all these awards. And so goes home and writes this letter to Walt Disney World. Well, it was so well written that it just went up the chain. And Aaron Wallace, the vice president of Walt Disney World Operations, calls me up to her office and gives me a Spirit of Disney Award for the letter that she wrote. How wow. she described how my efforts had changed her whole vacation and how her life was never... She didn't even want to go to Disney World. Here she took 10 of my classes. 10 of my classes. I'm running out of characters to draw for the poor woman and her kids. And then she saw me outside of the Academy in a whole other place where I was helping out at, at, at the Voyage of the Little Mermaid. But I remembered their names, you know. Of course I did. They came to attending my classes, you know. But she was so fascinated that I just took such a personal care of her family that she wrote this letter. So once I got the award, then I wrote her a letter. And I said, if I could ever do anything for you, you, know, you just go ahead and let me know. Well, 12 years later, Matt, I get this phone call from my dad saying, hey, call this person. And I hear the name. I'm like, Catherine, I'm like, oh, that's the lady that wrote that great letter all those years ago. Well, here I wrote in my letter when I said, thank you. If I could ever do anything for you, please let me know. Well, here she's on her second marriage. She has a stepson who can draw like a wizard, but he, he doesn't have to do with that. He is now working at Universal Studios as an artist, by the way. Wow. So I, I kept my word. And because of the way she wrote that letter, I said, you know, at this point in my life, I've been just itching to, to write these stories down. They, they can't get lost. It's too magical how it all worked with my birthday, then animation, then Imagineering, then Universal Studios. Then I built a team that won Roller Coaster of the Year for 2019 for Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure. And uh, and they painted a 17,800-square-foot 17, mural at Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure. Easy. And you only get to see a part of it like for two seconds. And we had to get it done in six weeks. With the roller coaster like eight feet away going by. <laughs> so with scaffolding, it was really brutal. I'm so proud of that team. I call them my misfit toys very lovingly because they were so, like one person never got a chance and this person never got a chance. And these are people that never did it before. And in two and a half years, they're all like art directors now, have their own mural businesses in Florida. The Painted Tusk is one of them. They're doing just amazing, yeah. So, and then our friendships are there for life now. You know, one of them calls me and says, yo, I need this, or I need that. And you can imagine the networking that you grow over these years. So I know a lot of people in a lot of cool positions that can help a friend. Like if I get someone right out of college that wants to start, I could put her in front of the right company and say, hey, give this girl a chance. She's going to rock it out for you. I'm telling you, you train her right, put the tools in her hand, you watch what she does for your company. And so it's like relationships like that and keeping your word and doing stuff like that really helps, you know? And then having people like Catherine say, well, let's do it. So not only is she like a marriage counselor and helps people with their marriages, she would sit there, I'm telling you, 10 to 12 hours. She didn't even sleep. She was just right and right and right and right. So I'm really proud of the book that 
and I can't brag about it because I, I just told the stories, Matt. You know, just like I'm telling you. But can you imagine? There's no capitals. There's no punctuation. There's no <laughs> I'm just talking. Well, she had to sift through it and listen to it and then record it out. It's a lot of work. If anybody wants to write a book, I got great advice for you. Um, don't. It's so much work. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so much work. So, but when you have someone like her that believes in everything, because she would fact check all these things and she'd find that they were true. And she's like, well, what else? I'm like, well, there was this time. She's like, that would be great. And then there was this time. And so it tells the story of me starting out like I, it's just a dream and then following through and getting it and having it all ripped and taken away from me and going back and fighting for it again, but then landing even higher with Imagineering and then going off to teach other people and help their careers. So I really had a very blessed career looking at it from 50 years later through the course of it, Matt, it was hard work. I had to work so hard and get so I had four heat strokes on Pandora where I just like got real dizzy and they had me go sit in animal kingdoms, uh, Pride Rock and eat ice cream and drink uh, uh, cucumber water till I got my color back because yeah, I would yeah. just go, man. You forget about drinking water when you're doing that because you're running and you're running. You know, it seems like you're just 10 minutes working in this one area. Here it's like 3.30 in the afternoon. You're like, oh, no, you know, I forgot to do this part. So I was so into it that four different times over the two and a half to three years that it took to build it, I had to sit, they had to go tell me to go sit down for an hour. <laughs> so I'm just proud to say that I worked hard enough that I just worked myself into a silliness that other people had to help me recover from. So I'm grateful that they were there because, you know, it can get dangerous when your body temperature gets so high that you start getting like dizzy. But that's how hard. And I'm telling you, I wasn't even the hardest working person there. People were working harder than me. They just must have drank more water. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you had questions and things that you wanted to talk about. Well, do you have time for two more projects to talk about? Sure, absolutely. I would love to hear about one of the projects that I saw you worked on, which was the transformation of the Norway Pavilion and Maelstrom into Frozen Ever After, which I know was met in the beginning with a lot of skepticism, and I loved Maelstrom, but... I love Frozen Ever After. I would thank you for saying that. I thank you for saying that because you know a lot of people with these podcasts they're adults, and I have to tell you I avoided watching the movie as long as I possibly could. I just wouldn't accept it. I couldn't do I couldn't do the switch that we're talking about. Yeah, until I really had to meditate on it honestly, (laughs) and then I sat down by myself and watched Frozen by myself from start to finish. I had my crackers and my tea. You know, I was all set. Nobody bothered me. I just got absorbed in it. And I got to tell you, it was just magnificent. Man. It's a great film. It was magnificent. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, let it go, let it go. Like I got so wrapped up in it, you know, and I could really see it. So then there's the Maelstrom. Now I grew up as a boy, loving the Viking story, loving that track and that ride. There was a big hole in the rocks where the boat would come out. That's right. You think, oh, I no. remember that. That was a cool yeah. effect. So, so to transform the whole thing into Frozen was was bittersweet at first, but then I started to realize, hey, the Maelstrom was doing really good. And when Frozen came out, it just kind of magically fit there. It had to be there. But boy, oh boy, was it a wise decision because the attraction is so amazing now. It's got so much. Still keeps like the gift shop is very Viking and very Very Norwegian. Yeah, right. But, But that ride really has now brought so much more to that pavilion that It'll never go back. So it has helped them, I don't know, a hundredfold. 
The attraction's great, and they kept the same track. Other than the hole in the mountain where the boat comes out, we had to close that part off for the darkness, for the lights, for the cameras. But other than that one little part, man, it's the same track. So, so as an older guy now, letting my kids come through it, you know, they actually got to ride the Maelstrom, but they were so little. So now they're like, oh, we love this. I'm like, oh, you don't even know. This is like so <laughs> cool. But I, I, I had to go back to what Walt said. He said, I want enough land for, for our imagination to go on and on. And for that to happen, you need a couple of things, not just the land, but you need new kids that are inspired so much like I was when I was five, that they want to be a part of it too. Because 10, 20, 30 years later, now they're really looking for a career and their hearts are all Disney because they saw Norway now. And so that little girl grows up and now she's the greatest painter ever because she was inspired. And so I had to look at it in a more global way and say, okay, this is way bigger than me and my memories. There's people from all over the world and it's just good for the company and it's good for Norway. And when that happens and you really get accept the project just inside yourself, not just, yeah, it's fun. It's beautiful. It's going to be cool. But if you accept the whole heart of it, the magic of it, it seems like you, you can work twice as hard. It doesn't even seem like it. So we threw ourselves into it. Is that if we're going to make a change, then let's just make it the best change we can. And so we just spared no expense. We worked all the whole project on the outside was in the middle of the night. So they finally shut it down to do the inside. Wow. The tops of the towers that I had to paint for Norway. Now they look like they're patinaed, you know, like copper patinas. It doesn't rust. And you have to, you have to do some research. So in copper patinas, it patinas, but then it stops. It doesn't drip. It doesn't run down. It's an oxidization of the metal. So it'll go from a copper color. It's really shiny. Look at the Statue of Liberty is that yes, color. So right. we'd, so we'd have to paint things to look like they're patinaed, but we're doing it on an air conditioned roof on one side with 110 degrees on the other side, which is fine and dandy until nighttime happens and it gets cold outside. Then all the building's condensation runs down those, those spheres. I'm sorry, those uh, spires rather. And it takes the paint with them. So now Patino doesn't drip, but yeah, it's dripping down on everything. So one night it, it was so bad. Oh, we had blankets on bushes, but we can't get it on the ground either. That's concrete has to be clean for the guests at 7 a.m. And we have this condensation run of patina paint all down everything so we're like stopping the progress of the night to go get like spray bottles filled with water just to so as it came down we were just washing it washing it washing it washing it so that's a story that people don't know but then finally we said okay we'll do that first tomorrow night before the condensation thing happened and give the paint a chance to dry and so you learn but you're way 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 up in the air and when you're up there in the dark in the middle of the night in epcot you get to see almost everything so that's one project. So what was the other project you wanted to ask The other about? project um, was Jock Lindsay's hangar bar. Oh, man. The one in, in Disney, Disney Springs. Springs. Yes. Yeah. So it's not a lot of excitement to that story, but I will tell you, uh, I want to tell you something that I've never told anyone else. So what, um, uh, this is kind of personal, but while I was building that hangar bar, the guy was so in love with this girl, but she was really far away. So I always promised myself someday if I could ever get in touch with her, I'm going to have a date at that bar with her. And that's just a personal thing because of all the places and things that I've done, there's something about that place that just to me is, is kind of fun and romantic and adventurous. Like if you're going to go somewhere to eat, like that's the place. Indiana now the Fort, Jones, it's yeah, great energy. Yeah, it, it is. And it's really chill there. So, and it's got a cool like backstory, but 
the forced perspective that we talked about in the beginning about right. like, you know, people that, well, you'll see a lot of that inside. What we did was we had to take the, the planks of wood and just like shave off an inch. So they just, it looks like a four foot piece, but so, I mean, a four inch piece, but it's only three inches. And it looks like it's this long. But so it looks like a solid piece, but it, but it's smaller so it can fit. So we could make the, the, the roof and all the wood that goes seem like it's way further up, like a real hanger of an airplane hanger. Right. So little things like that are in there. And then everything that we did, we had to make it look so old and beat up and weather-worn. So I was a part of the assemblage and the theming and, and the whole part of it. In fact, my team's the one that put the murals in the front that says the hangar bar and the whole thing. Oh, bit. wow. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I mean, every detail counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad you like that place. Um, it's a great place to hang out. It's just the... De- and again, like, same thing with Trader Sam's. It's not even about the lounge itself. It's about the ambience and just being there is just so much fun. Well, I feel like I could talk to you, Timmy, forever. Yeah. Um, so we might have to come back and, and do another episode at some point. But I wanted to give you as much as I could because I appreciate how much magic you've given to your listeners. Oh, Four you. years of dedication for your podcast. To go ahead and give that out to people and to be so dedicated to do it, even just as a hobby. Like my dad said, art was just a hobby. And then I proved to him that it's not. If anybody <laughs> ever tells you this is a hobby, it's not. You're making magic because somewhere out there, there's somebody listening to this and they might have be having a rough day or they just needed that little boost of inspiration for their job. And I hope this, this was this, we provided this for them. I think, I think it certainly did. Um, so Timmy, any parting words, any place you want people to go, obviously your book, I'll have that linked in the show notes. We've teased okay, out great. a bunch. Um, I'll make sure that it's, uh, easy to find, but um, thank you for that. Any, any other parting words or anything else you want to plug if you, or share? If, if you, if you could give, uh, Catherine your address, I'd like to mail you a book. I'll sign oh, it tonight. We'll mail one out to you. That way, you know, when you need it, like I said, keep it right on top of the tails in the bathroom every day, eight pages a chapter. You'll love It'll it. be on my desk. <laughs> I, will, I, I will actually uh, remember that it's there and I will read it. And I, right. I read the first few few pages or the first few chapters then. And it's, it's amazing. So yeah, I can't thanks wait for, the rest thanks of it. Thanks for saying that. It really was a lot of hard work. Like it's a piece of artwork now. It's got 50 drawings, like really great illustrations, plus a chapter. Each chapter has a quote from Walt. And I never got to say this, but in the closing, I just want to say that if you want to be an Imagineer or you want to be an animation artist or you want to do anything in your life, even if it's not art, the quotes that Walt left, they make a lot of sense. So just if you follow and just jump from one quote to the next and live your life that way, they're sort of tips for living. And you can kind of- get a lot of inspiration from Walt. Yeah. I mean, he really, the things he said in passing, people wrote it down. Thank God they did because- there's like little pearls of wisdom and all that stuff. So the book has all that, the drawings, all these great stories that I didn't talk about here tonight. And uh, there's something in it for everybody. So it's on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon. Timmy Britt Studios is my Instagram page where like I have a team, right, Matt? So they do the Facebook and they do the Twitter and they do everything but Instagram. If you want to talk to me, be my friend, follow me on Instagram. Where it's at. Yeah, now I'm only one person, so I get to everybody as soon as I can. But Instagram's really kind of where, you know, I sing. So, like, I just talked for, what, two hours straight? Seriously. Yeah, so it was do, close. Hour and a half about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, to do that, you know, I sing so I can keep my voice at a place where at least, you know, your listeners can, can hear me and enjoy it. And I try to. So I, I can't sing. 
I, but I do it to keep, it's for talking. So I do that and I put it on Instagram. Sometimes I'll have one of like, Oh, that's pretty cool. It's 30 seconds. <laughs> so that's on Instagram. And then there's also the artwork and I teach classes, do lots of fun stuff. So if anybody wants to reach out and say something to me, go ahead, but read the book because there's something in it for everybody. I don't care if you're a, a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker. There's a chapter in the book for everybody. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to say that. And thanks for letting me talk to your audience. Thank and, you. Thanks yeah. for coming on the show. I will be following you in all those places. I will plug it again in that, the show notes on you know all these it, different places to make sure. Do you have a logo? Do you. Do, do you have a logo uh, for your for your podcast? I sure do. Could you send that over to? Could you also I send will. that to my team so then I can then plug that on Instagram for absolutely for everybody to see it. This was great fun, by the way. Can I just Thank say you. you were probably way more prepared for something else. And I kind of just had my stories take over. I'm sorry, but I told you things tonight I've never told anyone else. And I hope that matters to your listeners. It does. I I always, I prepare my heart out for these episodes and they nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, go a, a totally different direction. But I'm always going, I go with the flow. So this was a great I, conversation. It exceeded even my oh, expectations good. for That's, what I hope I, to get. You know, that really so. helps me a lot because, you know, I have another podcast to do next week and I'd like to make sure that I give them a different story or a different angle from it. The thing about me is that, you know, animation and Imagineering, it's like two dreams in one lifetime. I really got lucky. And for me to get all the accolades on my birthday years later, you know, it's really kind of special. So, so I bring a lot of magic and happiness to it because I've been so blessed and so lucky. So, and everything I did, I didn't do by myself. There was someone there to help me, teach me, hold my hand, lead the way, give me $5 for lunch or $5 for gifts. And somehow I got through it. And I hope that you and your cat can, can Oliver can just jumped too. up. <laughs> yeah. Oliver. Hey, so have a great night and have a magical night. Thank, Thank you so, so much, much Timmy. It was, it was really a pleasure. with that we close out episode 118 of the imagineer podcast i want to give a very special thank you to timmy once again for coming onto the show and sharing these incredible stories we had recorded this episode a couple of months ago so there was a little bit of delay in getting this episode out so thank you timmy for your patience and thank you so much again for sharing your stories with us I, of course, want to turn the conversation over to you, the listener, and hear which of Timmy's stories did you enjoy the most, or perhaps which of Timmy's projects do you like the most. You can send me your answers and feedback in so many different ways. You can, of course, reach out to me on social media, and I would encourage you to follow Imagineer Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News. And I would encourage you to join our Facebook group, which is the Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community. That way you can talk about this subject and all other things Disney with me and with other members of this listener community. And if you have any direct feedback or ways that you would like to help this show out, or if you have any suggestions for future episodes and topics you'd like to hear, you can always send me a direct message or post it to our Facebook group, or you can reach out to me in an email at matt at imagineerpodcast.com if you don't already subscribe to the show make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button whether you're listening on apple music or sorry, apple podcasts amazon music stitcher podbean spotify iheartmedia 
whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, hitting that subscribe or follow button will ensure you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available and that you never miss an episode of the show. And if you have a few moments to leave us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store, that goes a long way to help this community out. I want to thank the nearly 600 of you who have left a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. I do read each and every review that I get, and I am so appreciative to those of you who have left feedback which really helps anyone who discovers this podcast to know a little bit more about what it's about before they hit play and what they can expect from this community. But perhaps the best thing you could do for the show is a very simple thing, and that's just to share it. Whether you share out this episode or any other episode of the show, you share out our social media content or tag us in a post, or if you just talk about us with your family and friends who love all things Disney, that's a great way to spread the word about Imagineer Podcast. And if you'd like to take your love of Imagineer podcast to the next level, definitely look into our Patreon group, which is the Imagination Passholder community. You can learn more about that by going to patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. I have a link there in the show notes of this episode and at imagineerpodcast.com. But our Patreon community is a way that you can help to support the show financially and in return get special perks, benefits, and content that's available just to our Patreon members, including access to a private Facebook community. We have weekly Disney Plus watch parties, which have been an absolute blast. We have virtual private events just for members of our Passholder community. Bonus podcast episodes, early access to every podcast episode. The list goes on and on. The benefits that are currently available are subject to change. You can learn more about it and see what's currently available by going to patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast. And I want to thank the more than 100 Imagination Pass holders. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You truly make a huge difference in this community. I would also encourage you to check out our partners. First, take a look at The Kingdom Insider over at thekingdominsider.com and The Kingdom Insider on all social media channels to get the latest news and updates about all things Disney. I love that they fact check and make sure that what they share is accurate information because there's the internet, you know, there's so much information that's out there, but they definitely go ahead and verify that the information is correct, which is one of the things that I appreciate about them. So when you go to the Kingdom Insider, you are truly getting the latest Disney news, things that are either confirmed by Disney or that have been announced by Disney themselves. You can also check out our travel partner, Academy Travel. If you're interested in booking a vacation to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Aulani, or any other Disney destination, they can help you to plan out the details of your next Disney vacation, alleviate a lot of the guesswork, and help you to even navigate given your budget what the right amount of days are and where you might want to stay and what you can do they're really great at offering a the top level of service that's available which is why why they've been doing this for over 25 years and disney has actually awarded them that diamond earmark rating which is the highest level of distinction that disney awards to travel agencies you can request a free quote by clicking on the travel links in the description of this podcast episode or head to imagineerpodcast.com Click on the travel drop down, select your destination and fill out that form. They will get back to you as soon as possible with a free quote for your next Disney vacation. 
Last but not least, I want to encourage you as always to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals, whatever they might be. I hope that Timmy's passion more than anything else inspires you to go after those goals and to know that even if there are setbacks and obstacles and things that stand in your way, having the persistence, the enthusiasm, the confidence, the passion, and the work ethic to push through them can really help to make all the difference in accomplishing your goals and your dreams. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. The far, the most important part of our Florida project, in fact, the heart of everything we'll be doing in Disney World, will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. We call it EPCOT, spelled E-P-C-O-T, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Here it is in larger scale.